Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I hope you had a wonderful summer. I can't believe we are back to school, back to the show again. Um, it was a nice hiatus, but it's great to be back. Um, if you have been following along, by the way, some people, I just met someone who had no idea that we have an organization at Jew in the City, that we have a website, that we have social media. So just Google Jew in the City. You'll find all these things that we do besides this radio show podcast, JewInTheCity.com. We have a big event coming up. It is now just under three months away. It is called the Orthodox Jewish All-Star Awards. And at this event, we showcase some of the most exceptional Orthodox Jews in their professional fields. Um, the idea at Jew in the City is to reverse negative associations that people have about Orthodox Jews. Most people think of our community as um, people that can't do things, can't have fun, can't be part of the world, um, have really just restrictive and awful lives. And we're here to show all the beauty that you can access, all the ways that you can contribute to the world, um, and all the companies and organizations that will work within our lifestyles, within our halacha, within our sensitivities. Um, so this will be December 2nd at Lincoln Center. Um, it's a really exciting venue. It's a huge venue. We want to fill it up because as one of our attendees last year told us, with a Kiddush Hashem this big, you should have filled up City Field. So that is one of the goals for the future. But this year we are at Little Lincoln Center, God willing, December 2nd. Tickets will be on sale on our website before you know it. Um, please join our newsletter at JewInTheCity.com. You can stay up to date. Um, and speaking about exceptional Orthodox Jews, it's a perfect segue for our first guest of this season. Um, the special thing about this woman is that I actually have a past with her from like 20 years ago. I know, like, how could that be? I was just born 20 years ago. How could I already have a past then with someone? But 20 years ago, I was in seminary in Israel. I spent a few months at Neve, and there was this amazing madricha who was a Hasidic woman, I guess I didn't quite realize like quite how out of the box and cool. She, I mean, I knew she was cool, but I didn't quite realize sort of how, um, you know, unique she was at the time. And we lost touch. And then I heard from her last year and what she's been up to. And it is my great pleasure to present to you Dr. Nechomi Yaffa today on our show. Hi, good morning. So I'm going to give a little um, little bio, biographical information. Uh, Nechomi Yaffa is a postdoctoral research fellow affiliated with Princeton Department of Sociology and the University Center for Human Values. Nehomi's research examines from a social, social psychology perspective how identity, social norms, and authority play a role in creating and preserving poverty. Her work focuses on the ultra-Orthodox Haredi community in Israel, a population currently understudied. Current and future publications consider the perceptions I don't know this word, and heuristics that shape the community's members' decisions in the face of scarcity. This project aims to inform you and improve policymakers' decisions and to expand the understanding of the intricacy of poverty. Nehomi earned a PhD in political science from Hebrew University in Jerusalem. She's the first woman from Israel's ultra-Orthodox community to achieve a postdoctoral position. So that's pretty impressive. So, I mean, you're really? basically an all-star too. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Um... Yes, we do have a past, Allison. I don't remember you as a student, and I remember how uh, nice you were. Just a like nice person, you know? Thank <laughs> and you. smart and original. And um, I liked it at a time. I remember, like, you know, everyone was, like, kind of going with the flow, but you just kept having your own ideas about things. I remember it very clearly, and I remember, like, really respecting it. So, yes, this was 20 years ago, and we live for – we are, like – ancient by now you know ancient but we're still we're still okay we're still doing okay so, yeah we still um, trying to kick it off 
Wait, so um, so let's just talk about um, where you come from, what your, um, you know, what I think is so special about um, the people that we get to highlight on this show and then through all of our channels is that um, I think it serves a couple different roles. I think it's a Kiddush Hashem to people outside of the Orthodox community in general to change their perceptions about what Orthodox or Hasidic could mean. I think it's a Kiddush Hashem to the modern Orthodox community to understand the Hasidic community in a more nuanced way. And I think also that um, it can be inspiration for people within the community to understand that their dreams or sort of feeling like they may not fit into a regular box doesn't mean that they can't stay from or can't stay Hasidic. So we want to show all these possibilities. So we're, we're so excited that you're an example of, you know, of all these ways to make being from a positive experience to people from every um, part of the world. So can you tell us a little bit about your Jewish background growing up, where you grew up, how you grew up? Okay, so I grew up in a very uh, Hasidic family, uh, rabbinical family, meaning all, both grandfathers were rabbis. I think all my uncles are rabbis. Um, yes, I mean, maybe two are not out of the 12, but, but uh, um, some of them are Dayanin, you know, judges. Some of them just like, you know, have their own little community, their own shuls. Uh, some of them just like teaches in yeshivas. So it's a very, I'm coming from a very uh, learned and uh, kind of background. And I think that this is something I grew up uh, with. And it's something that you really observed, you know, this, the conversation around the Shabbat table. I think you do have a um, sense of uh, responsibility towards the community and a sense of deep appreciation for learning. Uh, you know, learning and being able to learn and delving in learning is definitely was the, like, this was the value. This is what, you know, this is what, you know, life is about. So looking back, I think this is like a very uh, kind of, um, uh, I think this is why I end up turning the way I am <laughs> in many ways. Uh, I was born in Haifa, uh, whatever my my grandfather was a rabbi and my mother was the only daughter. So uh, he was a rabbi for like a big neighborhood, um, a very special person. And uh, then we moved to Jerusalem, to Yerushalayim, later on when my grandfather died. Um, I had a pretty regular uh, growing, you know, I went to Bisyakov, I, had, I was very social, I had a lot of fun. My parents got divorced and this, this is, was quite an exceptional especially when they are related. Given we have the yichas, you know, we have like this heritage, you know, whatever lineage in, in the family. So uh, people tend to marry each other a lot just to keep, to keep to the family. And I think it's also because people really want to marry people that have this lineage. So they end up like kind of marrying the family. So, you know, they were like third cousins, but they still got divorced. But the family... Um, but it was a very, very, now I realize how exceptional the divorce was mm -hmm. and they were very nice about it. Uh, I think also socially, somehow it affected us less mm -hmm. uh, in school. Uh, we were very popular. We had this very strong family behind us. So we never had like, you know, kind of discrimination uh, issues that some divorced kids sometimes get in like, you know, traditional families. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we just had, you know, you know, guardian angels, I guess, by ankles and stuff like this. So this was okay. I um, I do remember that 
cousins, people in the family had a lot of criticism towards my 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 parents' uh, move. They felt it was like, you know, they should just, you know, keep it together no matter what, because, you know, keeping the, the brand is more important than being happy. And mm-hmm. I think like having a lot, you know, we had a lot of conversation growing up, me and my siblings about it, about, uh, you know, how uh, branding and social norms and basically what I know to know today as social psychology, how it shapes our life and how that's what determines what's right and wrong. We had a lot, cause this was like a major issue we had to struggle with. Mm-hmm. So I think this was like, you know, one corner store towards my um, development later on. Mm-hmm. And the love of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love learning. I, I was, I was very, I was quite a good student. And it was quite challenging and I didn't like the school and I was looking for some, something else when I was 17, I, just, I mean, earlier on, I was looking for some intensive Torah learning and I heard about Gated. It's a school in England when you learn, learn as a yeshiva, but it's still like consider, you know, ultra orthodox mehadrin, you know, it's considered completely kosher. So I decided to go there. Hmm. And I had like great years there. Really, I learned a lot. And I think like also, um, Somehow I was, I was um, you know, I had all kinds of positions, uh, leadership positions within the school. Uh, and I was in charge of all kinds of things. And I think like it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, empowering me as, as a person. And I, you know, I had this, this idea that I'm going to come back uh, to Israel and I'm going to open up a school hmm. that is going to do the, the, same, the same idea that I recognized. Gates that is doing, and at the time, what I understood is I feel like in the school system in Israel, they were very much focused on the technicality of life, meaning the halachic. Um, you know, we should know the halacha, we should know how to perform uh, externally as Jews, but the um, you know the focus on your spiritual growth, on your relationship with Hashem, with God, relationship with Torah, relationship with like Yiddishkeit was less of an, of an emphasis. So I felt like, you know, I would like to do something differently. So I came back having this idea that I'm going to open up a school. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> then I got married and I had kids and I had a lot of complications, you know, uh, conceiving and then being pregnant mm-hmm. and so before that huge role, role, I was a mechanechet, I was like a main teacher, I was like really very much de- dedicated to school. But after my third child, just they were all preemies and there were a lot of complications. So I had to step down. Mm-hmm. So I kept only the history. So I gave up a lot of the other teaching and a lot of my other uh, responsibilities in the schools, but I mm-hmm. only did the history. And then I... Um, you know, kind of like we're preparing for the year and I was like zooming out and looking at the curriculum and I was like, what are we teaching? You know, it is so ir- irrelevant. We should do some changes. Hmm. And to cut a long story short, really, you know, to cut a three years short, I initiated <laughs> change in, uh, I spoke to the headmasters and the, the rabbis and I had a lot of meeting convincing um convincing the school systems that we have to change the entire curriculum. And I was very lucky that, like, you know, my word were, you know, heard. And they actually trusted me with uh, writing a new curriculum hmm. and a textbook. Hmm. So uh, I 
initiated a change and I took, uh, I had a day off. The, the system in Israel is that you teach for four days a week and you have one day a week off. So the day off, I went to the library um, to find materials to the new textbook and the teacher manuals that I was writing. And it so happens to be that the library, the biggest library is in the Hebrew, in the university. So uh, I went every year, every every day, every week to the library and I was exposed to academia, but I was older already. And I realized, you know, this, this is where I should really be. You know, this is my natural habitat. Hmm. And that's, you know, the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw, um, you got exposed to um, a university setting really by accident for a different reason. Yes. Your eyes were opened up. And then what came next? When did you decide um, I'm going so, to? Uh, I mean, it took me, it wasn't that I came in and like, this was the next step. It took me like a whole year to realize, you know, like almost like cooked for a whole year. Also mm-hmm. like some things happened like in the background, you know, I feel like, you know, Hashem orchestrated. And um, toward the end of the year, I realized uh, this is my next step. Did you know any other Hasidic women in university? There is no, I didn't know. And at the time there was no one. And so um, what gave you the idea that you could be the first one? Meaning like, I I I want to tell you something. I didn't never thought in, in the terms as the first one. It's mm-hmm. like a very recent, you know, addition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's only because people are telling me, oh, so you're the first one. And I was like, oh, right, I'm the first one. I never thought of it this way. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought this is what I want to do. Goodbye, you know, mm-hmm. sorry. I didn't, you know, I, can, I kind of like always had, you know, the mind of my own. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just did, I just did what I wanted to do. Never looked around so much. Um, is it? I never thought in terms of is it acceptable? Other uh, other people are doing it. I feel like I was more like focused. Like, is this the right thing for me? Is this a good thing for me? You know, I was thinking more like from an internal point of view. So it never like done. You know, it's funny. It never even dawned on me that there is no harading around me. It didn't even dawn on me. I was like. You know, I was just doing my own thing. You know, I think what this is, I think you're sort of not being in that mindset from the people that I speak to that have issues in the Haredi world that sometimes feel like too trapped. It's because I think they feel so um, sort of concerned about what everyone around them is thinking. And the people that I see that are the happiest in the Haredi world have an attitude of, I'm a good person. I have a moral compass. I have, you know, a rav. I have a, I have my own direction as opposed to sort of. Allison, Allison, can I interrupt and just, yeah. you know, project it bigger? I don't think it's a Haredi issue. I don't think it's an ultra orthodox issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's a human issue. Mm-hmm. I feel like what's, uh, you know, activate us as people, we are part of our identities, our social identity. Mm-hmm. But if you look around uh, the people in the world, those who, actually live their life, no matter if they're Catholic or modern Orthodox or Buddhist or whatever background they are. Mm-hmm. The question is, if they are focused on themselves as right. unique individuals, they just do their thing. Right. But if they are just, you know, paying their duties to the society around them, it doesn't matter if this is a woman in the suburbs of California, right. you know, you know, trying to live the rich 
life that everyone around her has. Right. It's this women in, a, in, in, in I don't know, and anywhere else. Yes, I think we do have to say that the more traditional you go, the more uh, social, like, the more you have good, positive social network. It also right. comes with the positive, you more are obliged kind right. of society right. around you. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, it's not a, it's not such a, it's not as simple as it could might, right. might someone sound. It's right. Not, no, I hear you. I You're right. There are some I do think it has to do right. with the fact that in the Haredi community, people are more socially engaged and there's this amazing relationship that comes and always when you have like social dynamic has a price. But end of the day, if you have persons that are focused on yourself and your duties in life, it can be from a spiritual perspective. It's like, what is my obligation mm-hmm. in this world? As Misila Sharim says, it could be like, what is, I came to this world to fix something. I have special revelations that Hashem wants me to do. And this has also, you know, this is like, can have a religious language. It could have a Western secular language is I want to express myself as a full individual human being. But once the focus is me versus society, it's, you know, and I think it's very important for people to know. Uh, I'm not saying it's an excuse. It is harder in the Haredi community, but at the end of the day, everyone has a societal um, barriers. Yeah. And you only end up doing something if you are committed to yourself as a person. 100%. And this is what, you know, I think like also from a Jewish perspective, this is what Hashem wants from you. Mm-hmm. you know to be authentic so tell to us what yeah. to what be authentic did... and to be a individual and you know what if you're going to look at Tanakh they were this is what was special about them all of those big figures they're doing things that are not like their society they were individuals they were rising to the occasions and they were like committed to the to fill their personal life to you know to the biggest extent. So that's what it is, you know? <laughs> totally. So tell us, what did you study and what kind of feedback did you get oh. as people in your world started to hear about okay. what you were up to? Okay. So this, this is where things get complicated. <laughs> uh, okay. So I studied uh, when, I, when I went through this whole, um, this whole process of like realizing this is where I have to be and this is my next step. And, you know, I knew it was not, be well received in my immediate family as well and um i had to think how i go about it and i went into the university and looked for uh introduced i I figured you know i am i miss a lot of background i should go for something something interdisciplinary this way i can learn the most and i got into uh, my first uh i had a bachelor's from like you know i put together like all kinds of like you know funny background uh colleges whatever what kind of pets not serious so I knew I had to um so I was waiting to publish my book and I knew I want some coming to university with a like a semi bachelor's and a published book and this achievement of like writing a curriculum for 10,000 students a year I will like uh, you know be accepted to uh you know to a quicker kind of route so I was accepted to a master's in a conflict resolution and I thought this is the back. First of all, I wanted to understand my community, my Haredi community, and the relationship with the secular community in Israel. I wanted to understand psychology. I wanted to understand economics. 
history and this is like really this program covers it all so mm -hmm. it was a very good uh decision it was very complicated getting into university it's a whole topic you know uh was complicated uh, from um academic point of view it is you know it it is demanding it's serious stuff and it was also a very um challenging from a, a spiritual point of view it's very easy to dismiss the Western world's idea if you don't understand what it is about. But once you understand what it is about, it's something you have to, you know, put thought into. Mm -hmm. You have to reevaluate your some prem premises. You have to understand Torah better. Mm -hmm. So it, it is very, very challenging. Also socially it was very, very challenging. I was very lonely. Um, I was lonely in the sense that um, I could not understand the world of people around me. I could not understand the jokes. Um, mm -hmm. I also felt like, you know what, they have a lot of fun and I missed it because I felt my life was very, um, I felt like I was very obliged from a very young age, you know, I was extremely religious and I was like obliged to my family, to my community, to, to having children, to being a mother, to being a um, bread uh, provider, my husband's daddy, Torah. And the people around me, first of all, were much younger mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, going to bars every night. So it looked like a lot of fun. So in the beginning it was challenging. It took me a while to realize their life is just as much as fun as mine. It's just different kind of fun. <laughs> and, um, and yes, some things they have more and some things I have more mm -hmm. and I have to work for a balance that works for me personally. Mm -hmm. So this was like challenging. Um, then was the community. First of all, I had this very, very, high position in the education system. And I feel it's a very dear position. And I felt like I got legitimization that basically very few people got the extent that I got mm -hmm. you know, to write a new curriculum, to control what girls can be learning for the next, I don't know, 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I was doing all kinds of other things in the education system. So I had a lot of power and I felt this is important it's important, first of all, because I want to do good things and I want to be able to actually do them. Mm -hmm. um, so in the beginning, I thought the best way to go around it is just not to tell people. Mm -hmm. so I basically did not tell people, uh, just my immediate family, which I got mixed reactions. Mm -hmm. Siblings and my father really supported me. They were very happy, very proud. Um, I was very lucky that I, you know, went for me well. Uh, not right away, but took a while, but then I... I was succeeding. So I think it's easier <laughs> to get support when you succeed. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep it in mind because, you know, some people feel like, um, and then, you know, I feel like it is very important for me when people hear it to realize there's always a combination of um, very hard work, very, very hard work. And then there is a combination of luck. You know, mm -hmm. we have to be honest. And I think uh, I was also lucky. Mm -hmm. in many ways uh, but I work very hard I, I still work very hard um, I don't like saying it about myself but I think it's important so I will I don't know many people who are willing to work as hard as I am so if you want to succeed in life they have to realize it has a price tag yep you cannot expect to sleep eight hours uh, a day have like you know your house run smoothly 
having the standards that you're used to in terms of cooking or in terms of cleaning or in terms of all the things that, you know, chatting with friends or having extra time and have a demanding career. It's just not, work. it doesn't work this way. So you have to, you know, you have to prioritize and you have to be willing to work really, really hard. And if you're not up to it, it's great. And you're gonna do other amazing things. But I don't know anyone around really, even like most talented, even the most lucky people, like, you know, people that are very well connected, even children of professors, you know, people that are really almost born at the end of the game. So you think like, you know, uh, oh, is it just have delivered to them? Mm -hmm. Even they, those people too are lucky. And there are some people who are lucky. If they're not willing to work hard, it's just not your work. So people have to realize if you, you know, it's very easy to sit on the couch and say like, if I only wasn't Haredi, if I only have, hasn't this background, that background, that parents, that marriage, that children, you know, yes, some people have it harder and some people has it, have it easier, but in order to succeed, really like to have like some exceptional um, achievement, you have to work hard. So those who are willing to, you know, put themselves in the front line, they will make it. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. This is uh, wonderful uh, life advice for anyone in any position. Yes, I, I don't, I think it's like, even if you go to the stock market or like things that seems like easy money or seems like easy success or seems like, you know, she just knew this guy and this guy just appointed her. It doesn't work like this. It can, you know, lock and open for you the door. So, but, but it's not enough. You have to walk. So tell me, what was the response of the secular people that you encountered at either university or in your postdoc at Princeton? Okay, so uh, I think like overall, I had an exceptionally good, um, warm welcoming from the secular world. I was very surprised. Uh, you know, you know, you live in a Haredi world. You live in all this. Uh, you know, people are really like feel like they're being hunted and hated. So. It's not was not all good, you know, but um, I can definitely remember sometimes. First of all, I was the only Haredi person on board on the university, so whenever something, you know, came about, I was the one, to, you know, to get a fire. And I had some very, very, very tough conversation, and some, you know, people were blaming me, people were screaming at me, people like were, but I could say that see that people really like care, and they hurt. I could see it and sometimes it was very unpleasant, but overall the experience was very positive. I feel like most of it, like 80% was 80% was exceptionally warm, curious. People just wanted to understand my world better, respectful. Um, and did you break down stereotypes? Did anybody tell you you're I, not what I, I, I mean, this is the thing that I get all the time. Oh, like, uh, we we didn't think Haredim are doing this and that. Oh, we didn't know Haredim know those things. Oh, we didn't know like this is the way you do things. Um, so I keep getting all the time, and also I'm getting oh, so you're just not a real Haredi. Oh, you probably like a secular became Haredi. Oh, how come you know that? You know, I got all the stereotype. Um, um, I hope and I I hope to, you know that I broke stereotypes. Uh, um, I myself had to break a lot of my stereotype about the secular world as well. So I feel like it was a mutual uh, learning. Uh, I feel like uh, I also got mixed reaction from the, you know, from the professors themselves. All in all, I think I was, I got 
very nice, warm welcoming, but there were those professors who were really not nice and, and also very um, uh, not biased, but very biased. And some of them told me some things that are really, you know, looking back at, and looking back, if I would hear those things today, I would like, I don't know if sue them, but I would definitely <laughs> make a big deal out of it. And I was just so naive and I was like, oh, is it just a hate harating? I, I didn't realize that it has like, actually, they're not legally supposed to tell me this, but whatever. And um, most of it was really nice. So I feel like this is 20% out of the 80. I felt more comfortable with the 80 and the 80 was so nice. I just dwell on it, you know, uh, psychologically. I think in Princeton, I received such a warm, nice welcome. Uh, in Israel, I felt like I had to go on my toes and I had to be very careful. And, and I could, you know, I was very careful not to talk about, you know, relig religious stuff because I was very scared people will accuse me of being like, you know, proselytizing. To, yeah, and trying to get them to be religious. But in Princeton, I felt I could really openly, freely be who I am, talk about Torah, talk about God, bring Torah into my study, bring a religious perspective to my work. I feel like uh, in Princeton, it was really like taking it to a different level. And I feel like I'm extremely grateful. I feel I was, I got also a lot of respect for the courage uh, to go so far. And um, this was, this, it is a very special, uh, very, very special uh, um, platform for me as a person and as a researcher. And they were just always so sensitive and curious in a way that they wanted to hear more, you know, not just out of politeness. When I brought my religious perspective, they were like embracing it. And they were like, okay, so how we can do the research, the actual science from this perspective, which is wonderful. Which One is last question. We got about a minute to wrap it up. Um, what message do you have for you know someone Haredi who's listening right now? You spoke to Project Makom. We love to show different options to our members. That there's a range of places that you can be authentic. You can be yourself. You can be educated. Right. So for someone that feels like the box is too small for them, what would you tell them about being able to pursue education but also maintain your standards Jewishly? The only box that you have is the box that you yourself put on yourself. Take it off. It doesn't exist anywhere. And if you are, uh, you know, you are uh, religiously devoted, you're only going to be more so going out. It's not going to affect you religiously. And um, just there. Don't blame it on religiosity. Don't blame it in a community. Face yourself. Maybe you just don't have the courage. Maybe you have to go and get some help to get more courage. But it's not about your religious background. It's not all about it. It's a very small part. part. And anyway, if you want to make it in life, you're going to have to have a muscle. So start building it now. Love it. All right, Nahomi, thank you so much for your time. I know you are slammed and super busy. We are so privileged to tell you. Pleasure, Allison, and good luck. You're doing you. wonderful work. And same to you. Thank you. Okay, and you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.